When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have our daily tight end expectations, and one of them up there is earn your role. You know, whether that be 0-3 personnel from the five in, or is that you're going to be an 11 personnel first and second down guy. I think they understand that there's enough plays and there's enough productivity and there's enough opportunities for all eight of us in here. On today's Coaching Coordinator Podcast, I talk with Tyler Walker, who when he first joined us a few years ago was the defensive backs coach, special teams coordinator, and recruiting coordinator at Muskingum University. He's now the tight ends coach for FCS Powerhouse Montana State. Prior to arriving at Muskingum, Coach Walker was an assistant at Grand Rapids Catholic Central High School, where he worked primarily with receivers and helped lead the Shamrocks to a 14-0 overall record that was capped off by a Michigan High School Athletic Association D4 State Championship. In this episode, Coach Walker shares his philosophy on playing the best 11 teaching and coaching multiple skill sets, developing an unselfish unit culture, and utilizing the hybrid tight end in all phases of offense. Today's game is becoming more and more about athleticism, and players don't necessarily fit perfectly into the profile of the position they play. And that can be a good thing if you know how to maximize the use of their athleticism and skills. That certainly comes through in our conversation with Coach Walker and his approach to finding their hybrids, teaching and coaching them, planning their development, and helping build the culture within the room. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at the use of the hybrid tight end and how that's evolved in offenses today. We're going to take a look at the use of them and giving the defense a complex presentation while keeping it simple, how a guy is using multiple skill sets, then how that translates to making sure they're trained in both the meeting room and the practice field. And joining me to discuss all of that is the tight ends coach at Montana State, Tyler Walker. Tyler, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Appreciate you having me, coach. So the last time we talked, you were the defensive coordinator 
at Division Three Muskingum, and we talked a lot about your background and, and how you got to that point. So let's catch up here in the year or two that's passed since then and talk about how you got to Montana State. Yeah, you know, I was at Muskingum in, in New Concord, Ohio, and I got a call from Taylor Housewright, who's our offensive coordinator here at Montana State, and I had worked with Taylor at Miami, Ohio for a few years and had an opportunity to meet Coach Vegan and had that connection. So when Coach Vegan got this job at Montana State, you know, an opportunity was presented to come out here, not really have a position coach at the time, you know, didn't have a spot, but took a leap of faith of thinking that something's going to shake out, and it did, and, and I'm on the offense side of the ball, and I wouldn't say I'm an offense guy, defense guy, special teams guy, I just coach football and use all those different experiences on both sides of the ball to whatever position that I might be at at that time. So it was, it was just connections, as always, connections and previous relationships that, that got me out here to Bozeman. So now you are at a team that has a very high-powered run game, utilizes tight ends. I know you got a couple good ones. But before we go into some of the specifics of how you use those guys, I want to talk about the way you think about this position, especially from a recruiting standpoint. And we've seen the progression of this going from an era where most high schools got into 10 personnel. And so you didn't see tight ends on the field to those guys making their way back in. So now you might see some guys on tape who are actually tight ends. But for you, what are you looking for in figuring out, you know what, this guy could be that hybrid tight end for us? If you looked at our individual throughout the season, throughout spring camp, you know, it's going to fall more in the line with a receiver's indie than a tight end or a, or a left tackle's indie. And, and the reason being is with what we our offensive philosophy is we're going to be simple. We're going to maintain tempo. We're going to dictate the tempo of the game. We're going to be simplistic, but really we're going to be a high percentage fundamentally sound offense that can attack the opposing defense and dictate the tempo of the game. And, and in order to do that, you got to have your best 11 on the field. And to get your best 11 to create those personnel matchups, you need a tight end who can be flexed out, who can attach the line, who can go in the backfield, who can be in a sniffer position, who could be the number one to the boundary. And that person's got to fit a specific mold in the 6'4", 6'6", 230 to 250 guys that run okay for their size, that have below average ball skills, that are willing to put their face on their person or run first that potentially could have a little too many meals in the dining hall and be in the left tackle. That's just, there's still a place for that, that, that player in football, just not for us. So when we recruit and I'm watching guys, we're looking, is this guy uh, measurables? Yeah, there is a certain measurable specific checklist, you know, between that six, one to, to six, three ish, 220 to 240 pound guy somewhere in there. But, I want him to touch the football. If we put his tape on, can he run and catch? Can he start and stop? Can he change directions? Does he have good body control? Can he high point the football? Can he win one-on-one matchups? Does he play quarterback? Does he play running back? Does he have a little edge to him? Does he play on the defensive side of the ball? And I don't eliminate high school recruits based on uh, are they a good blocker or not. That doesn't even factor in. Like, ah, coach, we don't have any film with him on the ball blocking. That's okay. Do you have film of him running and catching, starting and stopping, change direction, creating separation? Does he love the game of football? Is he a competitor? Because those are the guys that we want to get in this room because we're going to ask them to 
be able to pass through, be able to handle the football both in the run game, catch the ball away from the body, create separation, make a guy miss. So those are the guys that we're looking for. It's just a totally different mindset than if I was the tight end coach in, in 2000 at Wisconsin. I mean, it just is. So, But it works for, it works for us, and, that, and that's kind of how we look at it. Well, and that's the nature of the game right now, whether it's offense or defense. You're seeing the value of just the athlete, getting athletic guys on the field, and that may be in different body types. And I know your start was in high school football at Hamilton High School in Ohio. You also spent time at Grand Rapids Catholic. And thinking about then how this idea of looking at personnel that way applies to the high school level, right? It's thinking outside the box. I mean, there was prior to the the 10 personnel era, the tight end was, like you said, that guy was a few meals away from being the left tackle, right? Now, whether it's recruiting your hallway or just looking at the makeup of the guys you have on your team, what would you be doing to find this type of guy to fit in an offense at the high school level? I think at the high school, I, I think it's just really the guys that handle the football, the guys that love the game. And I think sometimes if I ask, I get questions all the time. Well, hey, you know, a lot of it is this guy I got a quarterback here, coach, and I just he just doesn't throw the ball great, but he's the best player on the field. He's the best player on our team. He's highly productive in what he does. He's athletic. He's just out of position. That's okay. Like that's that's well, coach. I don't have any film of him catching the football. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get him out here and see if he can catch the football, or he's gonna come to camps to see if he can work with me. Uh, is he willing to put his face on somebody? And I think the thing that is most important, besides any of that, is first and foremost, I ask those coaches, does he love the game of football? And it's the hardest thing to evaluate. I can't tell that. You can tell on how they play the football game and how they compete. Are they, most, are they the most competitive people on the planet? And do they love the game? Those are huge assets that we look for when we recruit. But in overall critical factors that, we look, that, that I'm going to look for in this high school and uh, in, in even high school coaches, a, do, are they athletic? Do they have the ability to bend and be flexible? Do they play fast? Do they play strong? Do they have good football IQ? Is like good people, good character, and good students. We can turn them into a, a, a tight end in Montana State. And the good thing is, is it's a wide net. You know, I'm not, hey, throw me a tight end. If you look at my inbox, I got DBs, DNs, quarterbacks, running backs, everybody under the sun because you have to do so many things. Like I got nine guys in this room. Not all of them are that dynamic personnel mismatch that's going to give defense a fit. I got some guys who are just going to go in 21 personnel or it's going to be on the ball running one back power. So there's a, I don't want to say misfits. I want to say Swiss army knives because they can do a lot of different things in here. And that's the beauty that I tell these high school coaches is listen, you got a guy that, that can do this, but just okay at that. Let me see. Let me see him run around. See if he can catch the football and then we'll make it work. In looking at who's going to get on the field. And this is something I've, been a part of geez thinking back to even my days as a high school coach assistant high school coach we'd have meetings like prior to really laying out the plan for the next year of well who are our best 11 right you want to get those best 11 on the field and I know that's a filter you guys use as well you know when you're looking at that uh, certainly then some of the things you have with scheme and everything go into it as well but in determining the best 11 what are some of the key things that you want to see in each of those athletes that 
they're going to be out on the field a lot. We never look through a traditional lens, so to speak. And when we're looking at opponents, you know, we're looking at the defensive scheme, uh, you know, how they do and how they align, how they align to certain personnel, how they align to certain situations in the game, uh, where are we at on the field, what do we do offensively. Uh, we look at all of those things, you know, and we, we get the base look that we're going to get. And then when we start adding different things, when I say we're going to mix it up, when we start adding different personnel, we're in 11 personnel formation, but we're in a 12 or 13 or 03, or we got two quarterbacks in the game. What do they do different, and where do they move their guys? So there, where's the weakness of the defense? We don't ever want their best player to beat us. If they have a really good field corner or a boundary corner, I'm going to stay away from it. Like, I'm going to find some other personnel mismatch. If we know they're going to go corners over, where's the weakness? So once we figure out where to strike them, that's when we start moving around on our part. So when it comes to the tight end room, it's they look at it through a traditional lens of, okay, it's 12 personnel. Well, I'm telling you, there's three guys in this room that are – I'd put up against just about anybody from an athletic standpoint. So we know they're going to go corners over. They're going to play man. We're going to get a weak side backer, man-to-man on our running back. Well, the running back's not our traditional running back. Our running back's one of our best 11 and just so happens to be a tight end. So we're going to run him out of the backfield and get him on a one-on-one matchup down the field. That's all we're trying to create is a one-on-one matchup against one of our better players against one of their not-so-good players. And – in the last 29 games, we've made a lot of those one-on-one matchups. So, and, and that's kind of what we do, both in the run game. You know, it, it's numbers, angles, grass. We're trying to create conflict, and whether it be with an RPO, because with our RPO system, it, it's, we're trying to create conflict on one or more players. You know, built-in free access, built-in edge pressure answers, and give the quarterback a, a simple procedure. Is the conflict player at or near the line of scrimmage? Can he make a tackle on the ball carrier? Yes or no. And our tight ends are a part of that. And they have to be able to make guys miss in space. They have to be able to catch football. They have to be able to be elusive and win one-on-one matchups. And, and that's kind of what we look for. Yeah, digging into that a little bit more with the RPO, and we see all kinds of guys who are on the, the pass route part of that. What do you like about these big, as you said, Swiss Army knives, right? What do you like most about these types of bodies to be on the receiving end of the RPO? As we mentioned earlier, we see a lot of three down. We see a lot of speed on the field. The game is speed. And part of me still operates as a defensive guy. There's a certain amount of space on the field. You know, defensive coaches are trying to, how can I eliminate space? And we want to create space. They want to cover it. So guys that are athletic and can move, they're going against linebackers that are smaller than them. So if I can get a unicorn who's 6'2", 240 and can run just as good or better than these backers, I'm going to have an overall advantage on them when, hey, I'm running a boundary glance, I'm running a bubble, I'm running a a flock route into the boundary, I can make you miss. It just gives us an advantage from a physicality standpoint where it might be a wash from size and speed, but we might have that edge just because we know where we're going. They have to react. And and when you have smoking mirrors and two quarterbacks on the field and you got motions and unbalances and shifts and you can get a one-on-one matchup, most of the time, they're trying to figure out how to get aligned, how to react, how to fit their gap, so forth and so on, and we know what's going on. And that comes back to 
the complexity is the presentation and the application by our players is something so, uh, I don't want to say elementary, but so ingrained in their, in their mind, they're just reacting. And when you have that bigger body and a personnel standpoint that can do the same things a receiver can do, we're going to win a lot of those matchups. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. Now, utilizing these guys, especially in so many roles, you said they're going to be everywhere. As it, whatever skill position is on the field, they're going to have the opportunity to line up there and do some things. So, as you've said, thinking about personnel, how you look at those guys, how you're going to recruit them, that's changed. Well, also, you know, you could go back a couple of decades, you know, maybe pre-spread. And for a lot of teams, I mean, there might not have even been a tight ends coach as the you know, these guys were shuffled. You know, they're going to go, oh, uh, we're going to go with the O-line coach for the run period. Then we're going to go over here. And, you know, most of the time will be spent the run period. We'll, we'll go over here enough with the, the passing guys to keep that 80 on you and, and make them respect that we might throw you the ball, right? So it wasn't thinking about things. It was more compartmentalized. Now you have an approach where I have to prepare these guys in multiple skill sets. So what's your approach to that? I guess let's start with the meeting room and then take it out on the practice field. I enjoy it. I tell you, I've coached a lot of different positions at a lot of different levels. I love coaching our style of tight end. I really do. Uh, at heart, I'm a receiver. I like throwing the football, but from a philosophy, I know we got to run the ball and that's where it starts. The O-line drives the bus, but I think given these guys in this room a culture and and they know the core of our philosophy is that no matter what, we're going to be the best football player, the best student, the best person that we can be. And it just so happens we get the opportunity to do everything. So I think the big thing is, is teaching them from a holistic standpoint. And I have an advantage, as a lot of other coaches do, 
I'm talking to these guys through a defensive lens. I'm talking to these guys, and why is the defense aligned like this? What are they doing? If we lead both of you in the game in a 12-personnel formation, and then all of a sudden we go NASCAR, we're in a 10-personnel formation, and then we go empty, but now you're in the backfield, whoa. Like, where are we going to line up? Because the defensive structure, they have – they have rules that they got to uh, abide by just within the structure of their defense. So getting the guys to understand that, that we are such a versatile entity of this, we're just all by ourselves. No one else is pass proing, running the football. No one else is going to inside run, pass pro, blitz pickup, skelly, half line skelly, inside run. I mean, we're doing it all. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I think it's fantastic. So starting in the meeting room, we don't ever sit down and say, hey, fellas, we're going to watch inside run here. No, 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 no. I'm taking the plays from each of our periods, whether it be inside, mini scally, group period. We are taking those and making just a cut up for us. We're going to watch it by concept. And it could be, you know, we're going to watch base scheme outside zone, but it could be from like three or four different periods throughout the day. So I think that's the big thing. And then I truly, truly believe having an education background, graduating from Miami Special Education, and and really trying to differentiate how I teach things, I don't think it's what we do offensively. Because what we do, everyone in the country does an aspect of it. It's just how we do it, and I think it's how we teach and how we communicate. And in this room, it's set up like, you know, I'm looking at my board right now. We got practice notes, housekeeping, script review, practice cut-up, and opponent cut-up questions that we have on here. So really good teachers is what we have on this staff. We have really good teachers, really good communicators, and it's able to take a lot of complexity and and throw it up there and be able to get them to comprehend and execute it on the practice field. And the only way you're going to do that is if it's simple and you ask ourselves, A, is it sound? Can we teach it? Can our guys execute it? So in the meeting room, you know, it's a lot of that, you know, and I don't have too big of an ego. I'll pull stuff from our offensive background. You know, it might be from uh, Penn State, Mississippi State, Oregon, Wyoming, North Dakota State. It doesn't matter to me. I don't have an ego. If they're doing it well, we could use it as a teaching tool. We're going to use it. And that's fine. And you'll see a lot of it in here. You know, we give them different opportunities. We ask a lot of questions. I teach off questions. I say, listen, fellas, I'm not a mind reader. Ask me. And we'll figure out a way, whether it's going to be a handout, whether it's going to be visual, whether someone's going to actually do it, whether we're going to get on and draw it on the board. There's going to be different ways to instruct that to get them to comprehend because there's a lot of different learners in here. So that's the only way this room works is it's a very transparent room. It's very fluid teaching. There's a lot of talking, communication. I'm not just up here lecturing. Uh, we're teaching off questions. So and I think that's how we do it in this meeting room is why we're successful out there. I think the thing I want to focus on, and we'll mention some individual later, actually, for our listeners. Part of the way I reconnected with Coach Walker is um, he had some stuff to get up on CoachTube, uh, sharing how he coaches the hybrid tight end. So we'll share that resource and talk a little bit about that. I mean, that covers a lot of the individual, but you mentioned all the periods these guys need to get to, right? And and I would imagine, well, you you could give us the details on it, but how much time they spend where is you're probably looking at game plan and both, you know, what are you guys going to do? And, and especially what what's the work we need this particular week? So talk to us a little bit about, you know, ushering these guys around the field, making sure, hey, you know, we're we're getting the right periods or working with the right groups, or maybe you guys are splitting that, them up. I don't know, but how do you cover, you know, all those different 
groups that you mentioned, periods that you mentioned that these guys need to get to? It's definitely musical chairs. But I think going into it, I think the big thing now, which starts again here, and letting these guys know exactly what's going to happen. Everybody wants to, this day and age, they want to know what we're doing, why we're doing it, how are we going to do it. So they have a pretty good grasp looking at the, you know, the, the face of the practice that day. And it's for an example, hey, fellas, we're going to be 10 minutes of inside run here. But at the same time, after the first eight plays of inside run, which are going to be 12 personnel plays, so uh, we'll all be there in the same time. But then we're going to go mini skelly and half line. So I'm going to need two of you guys to stay here. And I'll tell them because those are the guys within the game plan that are running those plays. Some of our other guys who are more of our hybrid, you're going to get the first eight plays uh, in 12P because that's when you're probably going to be in the game running those plays. But then you're going to be more utilized throughout the day in the half line. You need to get those cover two looks. You need to be able to get that alignment assignment adjustment in the pass game. So you're going to go to half line Skelly. And then our offense coordinator will be down there. I stay with the inside run. But then it's, hey, we also need to get a blitz pickup here with the backs and the O-line. So we'll take five minutes of our indie time and go there. We're getting Momo looks, different Rambo looks. And, and then it's, well, you know what? We got a specific place here where some of us might be in the backfield handling the ball. So well, guess what? You're going to strip. And then normally everyone's kind of in their own little deal, getting around, very organized. And then we'll come back for indie 15 minutes working on our agility stuff, our blocking stuff, our ball security stuff, our ball drills. So it is controlled chaos but it starts with a coach vegan does a great job of just overall organization and, and and setting the expectation but our offensive staff is you know this is just about all of us this is our third year together so it's kind of we know exactly what's going on throughout the period we know exactly what we need in certain looks and having been in this offense i know what's going to give certain plays issues so to make sure we get those looks either in a group setting an individual setting or a team setting but it, and the, the most of the credit, you know, goes to our guys, man. The guys in this room have an edge on their shoulder. They have passion. They love the football. They love football. And they want to be successful, and, and they keep fighting complacency every day. So that's where most of the credit goes is those guys. i got to ask you, just in the, in the spirit of your room, and I'm, I'm asking this because I saw it, you know, when we were at BW and we had, and we called them hybrids as well. We didn't even call them tight ends because – Honestly, for the most part, we didn't know exactly what they were in terms of, hey, they, they don't fit any box. And, you know, recruited the same way, like none of them were tight ends in high school, right? But what I saw in that room was just a very strong culture between that group in trying to help each other put another tool in that Swiss Army knife, helping each other learn. But also, you know, it was not that traditional you're the first tight end, you're the second tight end, that as you move to different places on the field or even situations, like each of these guys actually could have a skill set that was better than the other one that gets them in the game. So what's that culture like within your classroom, within your position group? And how do you, as a coach, I guess, help to promote that? It's that, man. It's a culture, and they understand that. They they know everyone has a, a role in this room, and, and everyone's role is important in its own right and we have our daily tight end expectations and one of them up there is earn your role you know whether that be 03 personnel from the five in or is that you're going to be an 11 personnel first and second down guy i think they understand that there's enough plays and there's enough productivity and there's enough opportunities for all eight of us in here if you looked overall this just as a room and there's no you know we have a first team all conference player in this room 
but when we talk about it, we're a first-team all-conference room. Uh, we had four guys over play 1,500 snaps. We threw a touchdown, rushed for six, caught six, had over 50 catches. This room, no one's individual because the strength of, we call ourselves the pack, you know, the strength of, of the wolf is the pack. Reference an old jungle book. They know with that Derek Snell might not have the success that he's had without Trayton Pickering, without Lonergan, without Elijah, without RJ, without without, you know, Lonnie. They know that. So they know that the only people that are gonna that know what we do are the eight guys in this room, the guys that are gonna get us most prepared day in, day out, is gonna be in the, the guys in this room. I, I set the expectations and give them opportunities to be accountable, but I just make sure this bad boy stays on the tracks. Um, these guys in this room do an unbelievable job of holding each other accountable and fighting complacently, and they want to they want to be a great room because if we're a great room, we're going to have good individuals and be successful as an overall unit. And I really do, you know, I, I think we do have a really, really, really good room. We have an opportunity to be really special. We have some guys in this room that are going to have an opportunity to play at the next level. But that is not because of anyone's just individual mindset, individual productivity. It was a unit that, that created that mismatch, that created that look that they got, that created these plays on the field. It is a very, very, very strong bond in here between these guys. Now, we did skip over the individual part, as I mentioned, because you have a great resource available. We'll share the link in our description and show notes. But you put together the hybrid tight end technique and fundamentals of the best offensive weapon. And so for our coaches out there who are looking to further develop their hybrid group, what things do you cover in this? What I took, and this is all material in this that obviously have been stolen, borrowed, you know, altered, but it gives an overall just what our philosophy and what our expectations are. But then it's just a teaching progression of route running, of run blocking, of perimeter blocking, of ball security, of pass pro. And it's broken down in a way where it's easily, you know, adaptable to whatever you do, because I'm not saying that all tight end uh, coaches or all tight end rooms in the country, but you're not going to too many tight end clinics or tight end coaches, and they're going to talk about the teaching progression of route running. Here's our stance and start against press. Here's our stance and start three point. Here's our drive phase, our break phase, our catch phase, our finish phase. Here's our run blocking and different unique things that fit into what we do that can be adapted. But it, it's a comprehensive look of just if you have an offense or a system or you have tight ends that you feel are they need a lot of different work to, to uphold what they're asked to do, but you don't have time to, you know, spend 10 minutes of Indy on tackle tight end combos. Like we don't have that time, but the things that we do in our run blocking with our fit shields, with our fit circuit, with our, with our other things that we do, you'll still cover and, and get that daily work that you need. And, and this is just examples of what we do here. It's not, the only way it's not might not be what you believe in, but it's what we believe in. And it's how we do it, and it works for us, and figured we'd share it. Yeah, well, you did a great job on it, a great resource. I highly recommend it. And, coaches, you can follow him on Twitter, at Coach T. Walker. Again, links to the resource he put together will be in the description and in our show notes. Coach, it was great to catch up with you. I'm excited for where you've progressed to in your career and the great things that you guys are doing at Montana State. I appreciate it, Coach. It's an honor to be on. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, 
understand and have a philosophy for utilizing your best athletes in all phases of the game. Coach Walker's use of the hybrid tight end highlights this kind of philosophy, but it can be applied to any position. Many times an athlete does not fit perfectly into the box of what this position is supposed to look like. Constantly evaluating the talent and skill set that you have available as a coach can open new opportunities both for the player and for a unit overall. We highlighted a segment of the Lawrence First and Goal Clinic with Justin Hamilton, who at the time was the defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech and is now a defensive analyst for the Tennessee Titans. He talked about the same idea of creating more roles for your players. We'll share that episode in our show notes. The effect of both seeing players in this way and having a philosophy and strategy on how to best utilize them not only has benefits on the field, but with the culture as well, which Coach Walker pointed out. Two, design practices to be aligned with the game plan and the work that each of your players needs to do within the game plan. This fits for any position. For example, he talked about lining a tight end up at quarterback in a particular game. So in that week, be sure to get extra reps at catching snaps with the center. Or if he's running the ball in the game plan, get him work in strip drill. You can't expect a player to be proficient at something if he doesn't get the proper reps that he needs. It may take a little more organization, but the result is better performance in the various roles a player may have. It's an individualized approach to coach the player's skill sets. Three, remember that being great with any scheme doesn't just happen because it's a great scheme. It's because you know how to teach and coach it and anticipate issues and address them. Coach Walker pointed out that now in year three, he and the staff have the foresight to know that if they are facing a certain defense, they will have issues that they must address in practice. Practice planning is a copy and paste template for the time and organization, but within those periods, it is not. This is a responsibility of every position coach and their accountability to their players is that they're always asking themselves questions about what must be worked to make my players successful on game day. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources, articles, and with our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. We share resources like Coach Walker's hybrid tight end development course. Also sign up for our weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. Thank you.